I want to encourage us in the realm of being servants this morning. Servants. Uh, I believe, as Christians, that should be part of our DNA, who we are. We should be servants. And we need to be looking for opportunities to serve. I read a couple of quotes this week that were really good. Uh, the first one is, titles mean nothing. The one who served with the servant's heart is the leader. And I have seen that played out so many times. The person with the servant's heart, the individual Christian with the servant's heart, they are the leader. They're going to lead. Uh, the other person with the title, now I understand the title is important in a sense it recognizes a position, but the people are going to follow someone who has the heart for the ministry. That ministry, whatever ministry it is. Uh, so that's very important to have that heart. And the true character of ministry is a servant's heart. We need to have that heart for others. Uh, so Acts chapter number 4, and we're going to start reading verse number 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked... For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and bought the prices of things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distributed uh, was made among unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of, the, of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, my first point is not that servants sell everything and give it to the church. The first point is you need to be servants are compassionate, are compassionate. Uh, when I think of a compassionate individual in biblical terms, Barnabas is definitely one of those individuals that comes to mind. And we're going to look at him a little bit and him and Paul uh, during this morning's uh, devotional thoughts. And, and he was an encourager. Who likes to be encouraged? A couple of you, maybe not. No, I, I like to be discouraged. Who likes to be discouraged? Nobody. That's right. No one likes to be discouraged. We want to be encouraged. And you like being around the encourager. Those who encourage you you, and help you, maybe equip you to go forward. And Barnabas was an encourager and he was definitely compassionate. He loved people. The word compassion means a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for for another who is stricken by misfortune. And it adds on accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate that suffering. So I can see my neighbor is having a flat tire. I'm like, oh, that's so bad. I feel bad for him. But it's not compassion until I actually help alleviate that suffering. That's sympathy when I see that, oh, that's so bad. You know, Oh, I'm so sorry you broke your foot and then keep walking by. <laughs> really, I look like one of the guys who walked by the, the man that was on the Jericho Road, right? Yeah, the priests are Levites. No, well, the idea is that uh, see a need, you're affected by it, and you try to alleviate it, whatever you can do. Sometimes we can't do very much. Uh, and, and, and I don't take it this way. Sometimes all we can do is pray, and that's the most important thing we can do anyway. Right? So the idea is that we need to have that compassion. Barnabas saw a need early in the church uh, history, and he was moved to meet that need. We don't know how much... Uh, he sold what kind of property and what kind of wealth it was that he gave. But the reality is he was moved by compassion and he gave. There was no strings attached. He didn't come to the, the uh, apostles and say, here's uh, 5,000 whatever and uh, I need to have my name mentioned in the church a couple times and I'd like to have a wing on the new building named after me. No, he just, here, help the people. I'm moved by what I see. And, uh, you know, we live... 
in a society today that thinks about only themselves, right? Uh, we have six million plus in the GTA who are driven by what I want, what I want to do, what I can get, my materialism. That's what they're driven by. And they don't care who they run in or through to get what they want. Have you noticed that or is it just my end of Brampton like that? No, it's everywhere. And it's in Chicago, too. I was just there last week. It's there, too. So in that kind of environment, if we as individual believers will determine to be compassionate to the lost and to the believer, do you think people will notice? Yes. Because we're not driven by the almighty dollar. We're not driven by this goal that's not biblical. We can have goals and dreams that are biblical, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But the reality is, so much of the world is focused on their own things, and sadly so many Christians have fallen into that realm as well, that we, if we will serve, we'll have that servant's heart, we'll show love and compassion, people will notice. We will be different, and we are called to be a different, uh, separate people, aren't we? Second Peter, we're supposed to be a, a separate holy people. So that opens up opportunities of service, and it definitely will give honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, people are like, Whoa, what, what are you doing? That's so different. Now, I've been in a, a ministry for a while, and when you do show love, when you do show compassion, when you do try to serve, you're going to be taken advantage of. Right? It's going to happen. But you know what I've noticed? People who are in the world who are chasing their dreams and their money and their wants, they get taken advantage of as well. So don't believe the lie of the devil that if you serve, you'll get taken advantage of. It's, you will, but everybody does. It's just not because you serve the Lord and you love the Lord that you get advantage. Every, listen, everybody's trying to make another dollar, another dime, another quarter. You know, it's so sad. I was watching the news last night with my wife and we saw, you know, this marijuana foolishness. You know, it's crazy. It's all about this. The government getting more money to do what they want. This person make more money. It's, it's money, 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 money. And it's the root of all evil. Uh, so the idea is that if we're going to serve, we're going to be taken advantage. Okay, that's fine. I'm still going to serve. I'm still going to serve. Uh, you know, I just think about this week. You can reach out to that. Uh, these are practical ways that we can be compassionate. You know, there's people in our church, and I'm going to mention about this a little bit in our ministry opportunities, some folks in our church who are shut in. So we've got to go from, hey, I feel bad for you, that that's, and I do. Can I do something to help you? Maybe I'll go visit somebody. That's showing compassion. I know it's not for everybody. Uh, maybe go visit that individual who's sick, uh, the widower or widow lady. Uh, maybe spend some time with a man or wife whose husband or wife has Alzheimer's or some sort of uh, disease that they can't get to church. Or maybe taking that guy out to coffee that hasn't been out to church much lately. Uh, maybe it's uh, inviting that unsaved co-worker for lunch so you can invite him to church. And just think of ways uh, that you can serve and you can reach and you can show that compassion. We need to be compassionate. Okay? And we, we, don't, we don't have to look very far in the Scripture to see how our Lord was compassionate. Was He not? I mean, just a few weeks ago we looked at about how He helped that, uh, the blind man. He took him by the hand. We show that love and compassion that he had for that man to help him. He was affected by his pain and he did something about it. Uh, now, we can't heal, but we can help. And actually, we can't be part of the healing process. You know, we can help people who are struggling. 
praying for them, spend time with them, whatever the case. So servants are compassionate. Number two, servants are fierce. Look over in 2 Timothy, and we'll spend the rest of the time here. 2 Timothy, chapter number 4, and verse number 3. So this part of the scripture is uh, Paul writing to Timothy. And uh, when I think of Paul, I definitely think of a fierce individual. A man who loved the Lord, but he was fierce for the truth. Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse number 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things and do afflictions, do the work of angels, make full proof of thy ministry. Servants are fierce. Paul is encouraging Timothy. Even though uh, people are turning from the truth, Timothy... Stay true. Stay true, Timothy. Don't don't falter. Don't stop. Keep working. Keep serving. Keep preaching. Don't stop. Now, when I say the word fierce, does that does that word sound to you a nice, comfortable word? It's not fluffy, is it? It's not like love. Ah, love. No, fierce. Immediately, you're, it's kind of like a put your back up a little bit. Fierce. You know, you don't think of a, uh, of a soft situation and fluffy. It's a strong word. And you might say, well, that doesn't really sound like a servant. Fierce. Listen, servants aren't pushovers. Servants have to stand for the truth. Amen? We have to stand for the truth. And uh, we live in a time when so many believers are, are being swept aside by new teachings. Or, and they're not really new, okay? These are teachings that got new lipstick and foundation on or whatever. I mean, they're old errors all prettied up, okay? And people are, are falling for them. And uh, we need to be standing for truth. And we need to be fierce in it. And the word fierce means eager or intense. Fierce, like you're eager to stand for the truth. You're intense about it, uh, about standing for the truth. I've witnessed the departure of acquaintances and friends from truth. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about someone who no longer serving in a ministry. I'm talking about people who don't even go to church anymore. I'm talking about people now who don't have a good word to say about Christianity. Some of them are my wedding. So I understand the process. I've seen it. It's wrong, but I've witnessed it. I have I have friends who have done that. Now they won't even talk to me. And I think I'm a pretty nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I try to help, but the reality is there's so much of this happening that you got to stand for truth. you, you got to watch out. Uh, Paul went through shipwrecks. I mean, Paul's a great example of this. Shipwrecks, uh, beatings, stone, left for dead. He was in jail for a long time. Yet he remained fierce in the defense of the truth. And we need to be compassionate. Yes, we need to show love. We're going to alleviate that suffering. And the best that we can... But we're going to stand for truth. That's what servants do. We need to stand for truth. And just go forward loving the Lord and loving others. About four years ago, uh, I buried one of the most fierce servants I have ever met in my life. His name was Earl Jerry. I don't know if Earl probably had met some of you because he was attending BIBC for years. He was there the day when... The sod was turned over on ninth line. We came down from with our church. 
so some of you probably can't remember meeting him, but you did. Uh, and uh, if you ever had the chance to meet Earl, uh, he was shorter than me. I always like pastoring people a little bit shorter than me because I'm so short already, all right? Uh, so at any rate, it's always fun uh, to joke around about that. But at any rate, if you met him, you think he's a big teddy bear. Right? He just loved the Lord. I mean, every time he was at church, the smile was from ear to ear. Actually, sometimes I think it was started where Ray Ray Bradside Burns, you know. That's how big his smile was. And he just loved to serve the Lord. And he was greeting people. And when he shook your hand, you knew genuinely that he was happy to see you. He loved the Lord. He loved the church. And he just had that enthusiasm. Everybody came in touch with him or were touched. He loved the Lord. And, and I'm telling you, he's one of the few men that I have prayed with that I almost stopped and looked around and see if the Lord was with there in the actual room. I know that sounds a bit weird, but I'm telling you right now, I sensed the Lord in the room when he prayed. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I remember talking to Brother Jerry and, you know, those kind of people, I want to be around, right? And that's the type of people we want to be around. People who encourage you to serve the Lord. I remember sitting down talking to him. He was in his 80s uh, by now. I, I guess he was late 70s by the time I started pastoring there. In the early 80s, he passed away. And I remember sitting down with him. And he told me the story how he got saved. How he walked the, the Sodomist Trail out in Alberta. Uh, the guy would come in, set up a tent, and preach the gospel. He'd get saved. And it was an amazing story. Then he went on to tell me how, Pastor, I left that church because they wouldn't stand for truth. It's like, oh, really? He told me what happened. He said, then I went to this church for about 20 years, and then they started following the truth. I wouldn't stay. I'm not going to stay in the church that doesn't preach the truth, Pastor. And he was fierce about it. Now, he had a smile on his face, but there was intensity in his voice and his life. He said, I'm not going to stand for anything but the truth. And so should we. I actually watched Brother Jerry confront an individual in our church with a smile on his face, this individual had been confused about some things and they were promoting some things that was not biblical. And he confronted them with the greatest amount of love and compassion I've ever seen and said, hey, that's wrong. This is right. That person did not leave offended in the sense that Brother Jerry was mean to me. He might have been offended by the Scripture, but the Scripture is going to offend no matter what. You, know, you like it or not. I mean, there's been lots of times when I've heard preaching this pulpit, I have been offended. That means I've been convicted. Okay, and this, this man who was loved the Lord and fierce about the truth, he stood there and he confronted this person and said, I love you, but this is what the Bible says. You need to do it. I need to do it. We as servants, we need to be fierce. We want, we're not going to compromise on the truth. And, uh, we, uh, we'll stand for truth even if we're opposed. Now, now you all know I love history, right? That's, that's not a secret anymore. I love history and I love reading about historical figures. I, and I've read a great deal about Winston Churchill. Now, I'm not saying I would do everything that Winston Churchill would do, but he, he definitely was a leader. All right. And, and he had a statement that uh, <laughs> it has helped me. Because I'll be honest, as an individual, I want people to like me. Okay. But preaching the gospel, not everyone's going to like me. And uh, his statement was this. You have enemies. Good. That means you stood for something sometime in your life. Listen, folks, you just can't be all over the place. You've got to stand. I'm going to stand for truth. I'm going to do my best to love people. I'm going to be compassionate, but I am not going to fade away from the truth. I'm not going to step back from it. All right? Number three, servants 
are faithful. Servants are faithful. So servants, first of all, compassionate. They're fierce. And servants are faithful. We'll continue down in verse number 6 of Second Timothy chapter 4. For now I'm ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Being faithful can apply to many avenues of your life. Okay, so we're going to have a little talk back here now. How Can you tell me a way that you can be faithful in your life? Raise your hand. Don't you all yell at one time. Yes, sir. Giving to the Lord? Yep, that's good. Anybody else? Soul winning. That's good. Reading your Bible. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Praying. Yeah. Anybody else? I, I know it's 1035. Coffee still has not kicked in yet. Being in church, eh? It shows faithfulness. Being in church. Be at church. It, I'll have to be honest, as a pastor, and okay, I grew up in an independent Baptist church. My parents were, I was about seven years old when we started going to independent Baptist church. My parents actually got saved in Salvation Army Church, and then they got introduced to the Baptist, and like, that's what we are, and that's what we're going to be, and that's what we always have been. And I'm so glad for that heritage from my family. But as a kid, we would never miss church. And I, I know, it's, it's disturbing. I'll, I'll tell you as a pastor, it's disturbing to see how people can, and I understand people have work commitments, and I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about people drop church so they can go get the best a flyer deal, or whatever the case is. You know, no, we have to have some commitment, amen? Be faithful to the church house. Uh, don't, don't miss. Be here. And, and uh, this is so true, and I know I've mentioned this in the pulpit, that if you're not at church, church is not the same. Hey, Arvik's not here. It's not the same. I'm not going to tell you how it's different. <laughs> but you understand, what we, all of us are part of the body of Christ. Amen? This local assembly, we're all part of it, so we all play a part in it. And when you're not here, you're missed. And sometimes I think we really forget to tell people that we miss them. You know, I think sometimes it's because we're afraid we're going to offend them, that we'll upset them because they weren't at church for doing something. Hey, just tell them you missed them. Hey, if I'm, I love to cook, right? I, I'm, I love making big turkey dinners and jigs dinner. And if I invite you to come and you don't come, I miss you. Now, I will eat your turkey, but I will miss you because I had prepared the meal for you. Hey, we come to church, and obviously I do spend time preparing a message, but we come to serve Jesus, amen? And the Lord misses you when you're not here too. He wants you here. He wants you to be part of the family and getting together. I'll, man, I want I want to see that. Uh, I want the, our young people understand the importance of it because I'm seeing such a, a negative viewpoint of being at church. No, you need to be here. Something special is happening here. Life's decisions are being made here that change your life, this life, and the one to come in the future, in eternity. We need to be faithful with our gifts, right? What, what's some of the gifts that we have represented here today? Okay, it's almost 20 to 11 now. The coffee's kicking in a bit more. What's gifts? Our talents. Our talents. Specific talents. What would they be? 
Teaching. Preaching. Singing. You two can't answer anymore. You had your early coffee. What's that? Greeting. Absolutely. Anything else? Sorry? Giving. Encouraging. You know, some folks got a gift of administration. I love you people. Because I don't. Mercy shores. I mean, that's a, that's a, you know, another thing. There's all kinds of things that we have that we need to be using and utilizing. If we're not, we're wasting it. I'm, I think of the musical realm. Now, I, I love to sing. Have you noticed that? I like to sing. I don't know how to read notes. Don't know. I know they go up and down. That's it. I know some of them are colored, which is cool, and other ones are not. Don't know why. My wife's told me a couple of times, but I keep forgetting. Okay. Uh, so my wife jokes around with me. She, I said, I love to sing. She goes, honey, your gift's not singing. You're loud. She jokes around sometimes about that. But the reality is so many Christians, so many people use those gifts that God's given you. You minister in the church. I love the guys get up here and play the guitar and flutes and everything else. So many people squander those gifts in the world. But man, they can be used in the church and encourage people. And let's not squander what the Lord's given us. Now, I'm not saying that you only teach in the church. No, if you're a teacher in the secular, so that's fine. I don't care. It's just don't say, I'm never going to teach in the church. I teach every day, Monday to Friday. Those kids, those brats, they get me going. I can't handle it. No. No, use your gifts to teach children. Hey, we... I think we all would say that the world has changed a lot in the last couple of years, right? Can you imagine what it's going to be like for those kids? They need to see today people who love them and compassionate, stand for truth, and are faithful to the task that lays before them. So use your gifts. Uh, maybe some of the young men in our church, the Lord's talking your heart about being preachers. Man, we need them, amen? And we need preachers in our land today. Lots of them. Uh, if I, I'll be honest, if I had ten men in our church right now and said, hey, we want to be preachers, we want to take a pastorate, I would be very sad and cry for days because I've missed those ten families, but I could find ten churches real quick. And there'd still be lots more. Okay, there's a great need in our land. And, you know, if so if the Lord's leading you that way, maybe you're, you feel like you can really connect to children or teenagers, get involved! Be faithful to the gift that God's given you. Uh, maybe some of you are really good with the media and tech stuff. Don't think that that's insignificant. It's very important. We can use that technology to promote and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It needs to be done. Uh, don't think it's insignificant. The whatever, and you might say, well, I only have one gift. Well, that's great. Use the one. To the best of your ability. And the Lord, the Lord did not make a mistake when He made you. Amen? And what he gave to you was not a mistake. All right? No, it's perfect. God made you the way he wanted you to be. Work to your potential. And part of that working to potential means we're being faithful to what God's called us to do. Uh, do you remember Barnabas now? We talked about him earlier. So when we've been reading about Peter, uh, Paul talking to Timothy, two great men of God, wonderful men of God, did great things for God. But... Barnabas and Paul, they had a little bit of a falling out, right? Anybody remember who they felt the problem was? Anybody? John Mark. What happened? Why was there falling out with John Mark? What's that? 
He, yeah, he, well, he went so far and then he went back home. It's like, that's it, I'm done. That's it, I'm done. And, and Barnabas is... So Mark did not reach his potential, right? He didn't reach his potential. He slapped off, didn't meet it. And Paul's like, I'm not having anything else to do with that guy. Aren't you glad for Barnabas to say, hey, he made a mistake, but let's work. Because you know why? I've made lots of mistakes too. I'm so glad that men and women have come alongside me and say, hey, let's work on that. Let's get it better. Rather than say, oh, get out of here. We don't need that kind of around here. I'm not saying that's all what Paul was thinking, but Paul was pretty upset about Mark. And he said, I won't do it. He was so upset that I believe that Paul and Barnabas had a really good friendship. It, they split over it. They said, okay, Paul said, I'm going to take Titus and other, Timothy, other people. And, and, and Barnabas says, I'm taking John Mark. I'm taking John Mark. Look down at verse number 11 of this chapter. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring with him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Barnabas was faithful in encouraging a young man to serve. When others said, ah, get, he's a lost cause. I'm so glad for men and women, like I said, who invested in my life. And even when I have done things that were not too bright, even on the degree of foolish, they were there to help me uh, to come back to where I need to be. I remember a time uh, when I was in Bible college, and I was asked to lead songs in chapel. And uh, I got up there. I had never done this before. I had no clue what I was doing. And I had a good time, Usher. I try to have a good time wherever I go. And I had a good time up there as best I could to lead that song. I sat down, and the dean of the student actually got up and apologized to the student body and and said, I'm sorry, I did not know Mark was going to dance for you up here. Uh, I thought I did a great job. you know. And I'm so glad that though... We all had a really good laugh. I mean, I think you know that I like to laugh at myself and things of that nature. The dean took me aside and said, hey, Mark, we got lots of work in this area. Let me show you how to do it. And he helped me. Aren't you glad for people like that? You can be people like that. You can take people aside and help them. Uh, and, you know, encourage your peers to serve the Lord today. Peer pressure. We can apply good peer pressure. You know, I, I can remember seeing a picture of a, a T-shirt. Actually, I wore it for years because I thought it was hilarious. This guy who was uh, water skiing who slammed into a pier. And he said, the wrong kind of peer pressure. You know, and we can be the right kind of peer pressure. We can provoke onto love and good works. It's easy to provoke onto anger, isn't it? That's not that hard for us. Uh, just our human default place. Uh, but we can encourage our peers to serve the Lord. You can encourage the young people to serve the Lord. Now, I know this morning we don't have as many people as here we had last time or whatever, and I know some of it's because of the schedule and stuff. But I'm certainly glad to see people of all ages here. You know, a lot of churches, it's the folks who've been in the church for 40 years doing the same thing, and there's no young people. I'm so glad for our church that we got young people who want to serve the Lord. That's such a blessing to me. Uh, and we need to be encouraging them to serve the Lord, to help them out. Uh, you know, we need to be there just to encourage. Serving the Lord is very rewarding. It's very rewarding. But it does not go without troubles and trials and seasons of you don't think much is happening. 
All right, there's the season. I'm going to be totally honest, being transparent with you. It happens, but it's still the most rewarding. It is. Uh, just this week, I got a phone call from somebody. I'm helping their family out with a problem. I'm trying to do some counseling with them. I get a phone call from their dad, and they're like, we are so thankful that you're spending time with them and trying to instruct them in righteousness. Hey, I felt I didn't do it to get that phone call. If I would have never heard from that family, I still would have done it. But I guarantee you that was rewarding to get that phone call. And it's rewarding to hear from that parent, that father, that oh, I can see a difference in my son. Amen. That's not me. It's the Lord working in his heart. I'm just being used as a vessel, as a channel to bring that to that individual. Uh, so, so all of us can play a part. So let's be... Let's be serving. Let's be servants. Okay? Uh, let's be serving with compassion. So not with just sympathy. Sympathy is, oh, I, I feel bad for you. You know, Josh fell down and cut his head open. I really feel bad. Don't bleed out, Josh. No. Compassion means I'm going to help Josh get to the hospital, get to the right medical attention. Hey, we see that person come in our church. And listen, it happens a lot Sunday mornings. People come in our church, they have the longest face on. You can tell they're, they're not sad because it's 9 o'clock and they just woke up. They're sad because life is bad. Hey, go over there. You can see it. Hey, it's good to see you. My name, oh, we're so glad you're here. Oh, it makes a difference. You can do That's a real simple act of compassion. Do it. Do it. Serve with compassion. There might be other things. Maybe go visit somebody. Whatever the case. Serve fiercely. You're going to be a servant. You're going to love. You're going to be showing compassion. But you're going to be fierce. I'm, I'm going to stand for truth. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to love you. I'm going to show you the love of Christ. But I'm not going to compromise the truth. There's only one way to heaven. And that's Jesus Christ. Whatever the subject matter is. Okay? That's just an example. And then lastly, you're going to serve faithfully. Faithfully. You know, there are so many, and this is very convicting for me because sometimes you can get, hey, I can get just like you, get a little despondent. Oh, why is this not happening? You know, I want to see more people in church. And, oh, and I get a bit despondent about it. And, you know, does anyone really care? Yeah. Anyone ever been like that? Let's just be honest. We get there. And then the Lord brings something to mind. Maybe someone says something. I'm so glad you're a church. And you really feel like a heel that you're so despondent a few moments ago. Hey, be faithful. My kids are watching you. They're the most precious things in my life. I mean, outside of my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and the relationship with my wife, it's my kids. And they're watching you. They're watching how you serve, watching how you minister. That's a big deal, folks. You know, I'm hoping to see some kids come to our church whose parents are not saved. You're the only example of Christianity they're going to see. Be faithful. Be servants who are faithful. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to serve you and being the servants that we need to be. And Lord, I pray you help us to be compassionate. Help us to be fierce, standing for truth. Help us to be faithful. And Lord, we're so thankful for all you've done. And what you're doing in our lives. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.